Hey, mama, see the hey, mama, see the hey. Drip too hard, don't drown on the sway. She told me the handcuff will give her no escape. Bad little man, look, I behave. Realistic, black outline on it. You be leaving clues when we fucking and you're blowing. You want a real nigga who got real shit well, in with the trade deadline, few people did go local yesterday. <laughs> yeah. In good ways and bad ways. But we'll get there. Or in no way at all, Stephen. That's another option. To just sit out and not be involved. If you can't hear right now, Angela's throwing things around angry. the studio. I'm angry, Stephen. He's not in a good mood. Not in a good mood. But we'll get there. Until then, though, this is the Last Word Podcast. I'm Steve Artabella. Hi, I'm Angela Lippa. And you can get us on Apple iTunes or not iTunes? I was I was just about I was trying to say podcasts. I was, was trying a, to catch myself. You're like uh, uh, uh. exactly. And I still it's like when we it. call them the the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, exactly. Even though they're the LA Chargers. Yeah, but you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere where you find your quality podcasts, you'll find us. And even where you find your not so quality podcasts, we'll probably be there, raising the level of the whole thing, making it a little nicer. Yeah, let's get right into this. MLB trade deadline was yesterday. And some things happened. Now, before that, I guess we'll talk about a couple of trades that happened before the deadline. Because there were a couple of important ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric Sogard being traded for two players to be named later actually isn't that big of a deal. For the Blue Jays, you got him on a minor league deal. He had a phenomenal season, but... It's Derek Sogard. He's about to be a free agent. He's a journeyman, too. Wait till we like, get to the Nick Castellanos trade. He was traded for two prospects that are literally did the 16th and 23rd best prospects in the Cubs system, and he's a star and has been an excellent offensive player. Can't play defense all that well, but has been an excellent offensive player for, like, the last three seasons. Well, two seasons before this. If you count this one, probably three seasons in a row. And he went for literally nothing. Also, just a little ray of hope. The last time the Rays, well, not the last time, uh, the Rays had a player to be named later in the Chris Archer trade. That was Shane Baz. Now, they got that from Pittsburgh, but players to be named later can be okay. The most important one for the Blue Jays, and where most of my anger sits, they traded Marcus Stroman and Cash, okay, and they're paying for him to the Mets. There's nothing worse than paying a guy to go away. For Anthony Kay, great Twitter follow, though, by the way, and Simeon Woods Richardson. Now, Anthony Kay was a top 100 prospect to start the year and promptly fell off. Simeon Woods Richardson is 18. He's got some nice numbers in the minors. He's almost striking out 12 batters per nine, which is pretty damn good. But he's 18 years old. He's a lottery ticket. You do not know what he is going to be in any way, shape, or form. You traded certainty in Marcus Stroman. You traded controllability in Marcus Stroman. And is Marcus Stroman a number one? No. On the Jays he was. But on a good team? No. Is he a number two or a number three? Yes. And here's the thing. Simeon Woods Richardson, I, like I said, he's a lottery ticket. You could hit the jackpot. You could have the guy that's the number two to the Nate Pearson, the future rotation, helping you hold it down. He could be the number one. He could also be nothing. And Anthony Kay, once he got to AAA, it's a bit of a home run problem. You know where that might be an issue? 
in the American League East. Where they eat home runs for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a midnight snack. I'm not saying they're bad prospects. What I'm saying, though, is the expectation, and this isn't just like a fan expectation. There were reports the other GMs were angry that this trade was light. There were reports from players and teams. Like, people just looked at this and were like, he went for what? Pack of bubble gum and a fucking wound up too tight baseball. And yeah, the, the Jays are going to draft real high this year because they're awful. But this was a missed opportunity to add some serious quality to your prospect pool, which you're starting to deplete since most of these kids are up now. That's the issue with the Marcus Stroman trade. It's that if you're not going to get guys... And the thing is, with the top with the top 100 list, it's not the be-all, end-all. But for an organization that already has a history of trading devalued assets for less than stellar returns, this doesn't help. I've defended this front office plenty of times. I defended the half trade. I was a bit angry at it, but I understood... Get what you could. Exactly. You had to move them. And you weren't going to make the playoffs. Pending free agent, too, so it was a little different. It's really hard to defend. And again, the Eric Sogard trade, that's easily defensible. Bo needed to get called up. Needed a space in the the infield, and Eric Sogard... And getting anything for him is a win. Yeah. Who And and, and realistically, he did have a career year. Oh, it was a nice... He's had a phenomenal season. It was a nice offseason signing... It worked out well. You turned them into things. You, you did You did what losing teams should be doing until they are fully ready to make commitments on players. Exactly. Signing these journeyman guys who have been around in the league a long take time. Take the risk. Take the risk. If they do well, great. If nothing, hey, you know what? You might still be able to get something because look at Sogard. can kind of play everywhere in, in at least the three parts of the infield. And if you're really probably in a pinch, he could probably play one of the outfield positions. He was playing left and right field for the Jays. Okay. He showed that it's he's not great at it, but he's not terrible at yeah. it. He's serviceable. And for a team, you know, like the Devil Rays, like they like the, to or move the Rays, guys around. Me. Not the Devil Rays. Not to mention their second baseman and Joey Wendell hasn't mm-hmm. been very good this year. He's had two stints on the DL, so he never really got started. Yeah. They needed a second baseman. It it was perfect. Like it was, that trade that trade to me makes perfect sense. Yeah, like trading Daniel Hudson. Yeah. You know what? You got I think it's Steven Johnston mm-hmm. or Kyle Johnston. Is he a top pitching prospect? No, but you never expected that from a guy that you took off the scrap heat yeah. in spring. That's a good move. You moved him for an mm-hmm. asset. But to go and trade an asset and an asset like Marcus Stroman because I I I thought Marcus Stroman obviously I was close on where he was gonna go. I was close you to the city. city, right? You just got the wrong. Team. I just got the wrong team, and then that team tried to take advantage of another New York team. But we'll get to those guys in a little bit. But to undervalue what Marcus Stroman was by this front office is completely unacceptable. Because I'll give him credit. We've seen the call up now of of three guys exactly. Bobichet, and Kevin Bijou. Three guys who are going to be part of your future. But we've seen in baseball with a lot of these young guys that the future is now for some teams. Look at Atlanta. 
Exactly. Okay. Did they go and start selling off Freddie Freeman and nope. other guys who were a little bit older but considered veterans? No, no. they held on to them. They held on to them. And look at the success they're having. And, the- for, and for the Jays to go and just give away Marcus Stroman for free, like, there you go. Here's your ticket. See you later. Bye. Well, actually, you want to talk about giving away for free? We'll skip right there now since we're on the Jays' front office. You gave away Aaron Sanchez. And the real issue I have with this, Aaron Sanchez has been hurt or ineffective for two seasons now. Two full seasons. Mm -hmm. And half of this one. His last five starts have been good. You don't have anyone to pitch for you next year. I mean, you do, but they're like Jacob Waggispack and Sean Reed Foley, who I know had a nice start against KC. But you think that's something that's going to happen every day? Thomas Pannone is going to be in the starting rotation for the rest of this season, and maybe next season. You traded him to the Houston Astros for literally nothing. Joe Biagini, who was also part of that trade. It was Joe Biagini, Aaron Sanchez, Cal Stevenson, because they actually had to give up a prospect for this for some goddamn reason, and they got back Derek Fisher. Yeah, Derek Fisher's AAA numbers are great. You know what isn't great? His major league numbers. And you know what? If he was 22... Oh, I'd still be ecstatic because, man, he made the big leagues by 22. He's going to be 26 before the end of the season. He is essentially Teoscar Hernandez, Billy McKinney, pick one because he's a fourth outfielder like these guys. Hey, maybe they get lucky. Maybe they knew something about this guy. Maybe they hit. I don't know. I've seen enough, though, of Brandon Drury, Teoscar Hernandez, and Billy McKinney to think maybe they don't know what they're talking about when they go acquire outfielders. Why did Aaron Sanchez have to be part of this deal? Because honestly, if he comes back next year and he gets hurt, or he's ineffective again, you could probably still go get someone like Derek Fisher for him. Yeah. I don't understand why you literally gave him away. Because Joe Biagini, who's not great, still should have been enough to get you Derek Fisher. Especially for a team like Houston, who needs some bullpen arms. Because they really only have two. And And one of them is Lance McCullers. And the worst part about... No, he's not, because he's hurt. He's out. He's He's missed the whole season with Tommy John. So, like, when when I look at Aaron Sanchez, I look at a guy who's probably going to be pretty good out of the bullpen for Houston. And then next year when they need a starter, and they sprinkle the pixie dust because they revive careers. Charlie Morton, remember him in the World Series? Remember Justin Verlander before? Thank you. Before he even touched... And and and, and similar, Garrett Cole, and Garrett who was Cole, still good, but not as good as he was, you know, early on with the like Pirates four seasons ago. Shows up and now he's better than he's ever been. Yeah, I got a feeling this is going to look bad before the season's over. Oh, because you know what's going to happen, right? Let alone what Aaron Sanchez he's, is he's, probably going to do. He's going back to next the, year. He's going back to a role that he took on when he first came into the bigs, which was being a setup guy, which was taking the ball for two innings and just throwing throwing the gas. And you want to know something? With those starters in Houston now, you go seven, eight innings. You don't even need them sometimes. But in the pinch, hey, we got a guy who can start. We got a guy who can who can come in in the fifth or sixth inning and eat some innings for us because we know he can do that. Yeah, we are not like for the, the for the Toronto Blue Jays to just basically like give him away, give him away for nothing. You and, traded your best your best and, starter for a light he, 24, package. 24, 25? Aaron's edge is 27. 27, okay. But still. 
you can still have him be a part of this team. Do you think you're seven? Like, are you bringing you have up no the one kids? to pitch next like, year? Who's going to pitch? You're you don't gonna, even have anyone to pitch this year. Are they going to go sign Mike Leake after the end of the season? Probably. No, you know who will back next year? Shoemaker when he recovers from the ACL tear. And like I said, fucking Waggis Pack and Thomas Pannone and a bunch of guys that aren't major league starters. But Waggis Pack has an amazing last name. It's amazing. The fact that they got a real life breathing human being for Aaron Loop. Like that actually might be the the best thing that this front office yeah. has ever done was to get a real human being for Aaron Loop. But you know, to tear like to just give away Marcus Stroman for for what? Did you have to give him away? That's exactly. You could give him away next year. And they traded him early. Yeah. Early. It looks like a panic move. And for the love of God, I like I've said, I've defended this front office. I've given them the benefit of the doubt way too many times. Stop lying to me. You are not going to have a smile on your face, Ross Atkins, every time Strowman pitches for the Mets. You two did not get along. Okay, the disturbance in the clubhouse that didn't let any of the media in was an argument between Marcus Stroman and apparently Ross Atkins. Oh, and by the way, that wasn't the first time apparently they've got into it this season. It'll be that will be the last. It's just like I, I I'm and I'm sick of hearing the well, you know, we value them more than the the industry does because at this point. You haven't proven to me that any of the guys you value more than the industry does are any good. Seriously, which which guy? Which guy that you, you, you that the industry undervalued that you brought in that wasn't a reclamation project reliever or Eric Sogard? This is the problem. You know what it is? So not only am I watching trades that don't make sense to me, I'm hearing explanations that are bold-faced lies. Don't spit on my cupcake and call it frosting. Don't spit on Steven's cupcake and call it frost- frosting and fucking sprinkles. That's Because that's, 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 what, that's what that front office has done. And it's basically been happening since day one. Day one. And you know what? For a team that was one game away, they, were, they lost in game six both times, I think it was. Uh, yeah. Like, to just go and say... See you later. Yep. Done. Look at look at how two of those pieces, or a Not lot of those, those pieces, pieces. Look at all of the. Pieces. Look at all the. Pieces. Look at the, the the fiasco with Edwin's contract. Jose Bautista falling apart. Is Julian Merriweather real? Does he exist? No, he doesn't. Because at one point this year he was getting healthy and hitting triple digits in his in his rehab start. And now apparently he's hurt again, and I don't know if this human being exists. I don't know if Julian Weriweather is actually a person, or he's just some made-up figment of our imaginations created by this front office. And you know what? Normally, I wouldn't go down that type of insanity rabbit hole, but I keep getting lied to boldface, so I don't know what's happening anymore. And now I start questioning basic things. Like, does this guy even exist? No, he does not. This is like this is the issue you know, with this Jays front like, office. Like, next season. Like... If people are telling, if you, if you think that the Jays couldn't be competitive next season with a full season of with a full season of Vladdy being adjusted now to he's he's starting to adjust to the major leagues. We've seen what Bo has done. He's been electric, and there'll be there'll be a little bit of a downfall because eh, that's the thing. Exactly, he's a rookie, and that's always expected. Kevin Biggio is a fucking on base machine. He's hitting two thirteen, and his on base is almost 
350, and he's hitting dingers. He'll figure the rest out. Yeah. Like, they're young players. And, like, to just go get rid of Marcus Stroman, to just go get rid of Aaron Sanchez, so you're going to waste – So and, and essentially what you're doing next year is then you're going to waste a year of Vladdy, a year of Bo. Another year. Like, you're wasting years. Like, this is the thing. The Angels are doing it with Mike Trout, where they're literally just wasting the good years of his career because they can't feel the team good enough to win and make the playoffs and then try and win. And it seems like and it, it, it seems like it, it definitely looks like it, that that's what this team is doing. And it shouldn't because there's talent and they can be competitive in this fucking division. They could be a wild card team. It's infuriating. It, it, it's to watch. so. I'm not like. I. I don't root. I don't root against the Blue Jays. I like watching the Blue Jays. If you listen to our MLB preview this year, you know that I had the Blue Jays in third place. Because I thought, hey, guys like Marcus Stroman would be well, and that when Vladdy eventually came up, that he would tear it up, and that this team would put pieces. To, it would would stay alive enough. Was I wrong? Yes, but you see the pieces that you thought that are doing well, and they're just throwing it away. Here you go. See you later. And, it, and here's the thing. If what Stroman was doing in the law, like if you traded him for non-baseball reasons, like you you have really messed up here. Yeah. But you know what? If you did trade him for non-baseball reasons, maybe just be honest about it. Yeah. Because then people might actually start to understand what's happening here. You know what? we got a lot of kids in the clubhouse. We can't have him constantly verbally attacking the general manager. We can't have that happen. No. But, like, to trade him, and then it's obvious that you guys didn't get along, and then you to constantly say, them try and make it sound like you do, even though everyone knows that's a lie. It's I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. Do you want to know who did some lying for a long time and seemed to sort of come back? To the light, and I hope he does for your sake, for Blue Jays fans' sake. Who? Mark Berger fan. Because that's what it feels like for the Blue Jays. Don't, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so that's what they did. They also, so Daniel Hudson was traded for uh, Kyle Johnston. They gave away Biagini and Sanchez um, for Derek Fisher, Stroman for. Anthony Kay, Simeon Woods Richardson, like they they moved all the pieces. All of the guys. Michael Phelps even moved. Or David Phelps. Michael Phelps is the swimmer. But David Phelps, the reliever, even moved, which was kind of crazy, considering I can't believe he actually had any value, but hey, sure he did. I guess we'll just move on to the rest of the deadline because I'm just gonna get angry. I'm just start yelling. Don't worry. So Jordan Lyles was moved. This is on the 29th. We're just going to go through the the important trades. Jordan Lyles was traded from the Pirates to the Brewers. He was a nice reclamation project. Then he had a hamstring injury, and he had a few bad starts. He went to the Brewers, and his first start was last night. Last night, uh, today is Thursday, by the way. We're recording on a Thursday. So last night was Wednesday, and he was pretty damn good. So it was a nice little move. And in return, the Pirates got Cody Ponce, who's actually a pretty decent pitching prospect, considering what Jordan Lyles is. Uh, Jason Vargas and Cash was traded to the Phillies for Austin Bozart. He's not a, a prospect of any real meaning. Uh, but basically, that was the Mets clearing a, a spot in their rotation for Marcus Stroman. And the Phillies desperately needed pitching. So 
they acquired a pitcher who was super cheap and they got cash, which means they probably paid down most of his salary. Uh, David Phelps, that's actually the next trade that popped up here. That was for Thomas Hatch. Uh, And now to the big crazy one that happened uh, the night of July 30th. That I'm still trying to make sense of, but okay. Still doesn't make sense to us. So the Cleveland Indians trade Trevor Bauer. He goes to the Reds. The Indians get Fran Mel Reyes, Logan Allen, Scott Moss, and Victor Nova. Oh, and by the way, the Reds were involved in this trade, and Trevor Bauer, right? And he goes to the Reds. And the Indians get Yasel Puig. The Padres from the Reds get center fielder Taylor Trammell. And they trade away Fran Mill Reyes and Logan Allen. I'm still trying to understand exactly what's going on here. Why? The Padres apparently have wanted Tyler Trammell since the draft a couple of years ago. There's the thought that he's going to be an absolute star. They also had a ton of right-handed power bats. Outfielders specifically. Fran Mill Reyes, Hunter Renfro. They have, a, they have a bunch of these guys. So I kind of get it. They also have a ton of pitching prospects. Logan Allen, even though he's been in the big leagues, isn't one of their top ones. So I kind of get it. You move Fran Mill Reyes, you move Logan Allen, and you get the center fielder of the future you think. You hope. The only thing is Fran Mill Reyes is probably going to get 50 dingers this year. So it's kind of hard to replace. I just, It's just a weird trade for me. The Reds, who are out of it, acquire an ace. And I mean, him and Luis Castillo are great, but they're, they're going for like next year. eight games out of the, they're going the playoffs. For next year. And yeah. then the Indians, this is where it's really strange. Because you don't know what's going on with Carlos Carrasco. He has leukemia. Yeah. Corey Kluber has not been seen since. He's still hurt. He's out on a boat with Jordan Merriweather. <laughs> exactly. We don't know if these people exist. Yeah. Now, granted, Mike Clevenger's been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Shane Bieber's had a great season. Do you trust those guys once the playoffs start? Whereas Trevor Bauer, you knew what that was. Mm-hmm. Now, they needed to upgrade their outfield, which they've done here. Puig and Fran Mel Reyes is probably your DH, but Puig's going to play in the outfield. Probably move Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Um, Bowers, Jake Bowers. He was a first baseman who can play the corner outfield. He'll probably play a corner spot. Mercado's been great for them in the center field. I kind of see what they're doing solidifying their lineup, but they're leaving themselves kind of thin on the pitching side. Now it's different. If Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco were healthy, I fully understand this. I'd probably still have tried to trade Corey Kluber at that point since Bauer has control, but it kind of makes some sense for me. It's just the Reds doing this is really weird because you better compete next year or else you're going to have to trade Trevor Bauer and you're not going to get back Taylor Trammell. That's where it's kind of strange for me with the Reds. It's like the Mets acquiring Marcus Stroman. You're the Mets. You should be selling assets, but whatever. Uh, On to the next one. Let's see here. Let's go down to... This was an interesting one. Um, The Rangers acquired Nate Jones and his salary, but they also got international bonus pool money for taking on his salary, and they gave two minor leaguers to the White Sox. These guys are non-prospects. And Ray Castro and Joseph... Yerneski. Jarneski, something like that. Bueller. Bueller, exactly. Bueller. Um, the Diamondbacks, who made a couple of trades, by the way. This isn't even the most interesting one, but to me it was really interesting because Jazz Chisholm's a top 100 pro- Well, he actually just fell off the top 100, but he was probably their highest rated prospect at shortstop. They traded him to the Marlins for a Marlins prospect who wasn't highly touted, 
but did really well and then got called up to the big leagues and has 36 and a third innings where he's pitching really, really well in Zach Gallen. So they traded a, an appreciating asset in Jazz Chisholm for an appreciating asset in Zach Gal- uh, Gallen. It might be Galen. That's an interesting move. I like it because if you identify that Jazz Chisholm isn't going to mm-hmm. live up to his potential, mm-hmm. you still got value now. Yeah. You didn't hold on to him for too long and it'd fall apart. Uh, you know, like Josh Donaldson and Toronto Blue Jays and their horrible front office, but that's besides the point. Uh, the Cubs, who had just acquired Martin Maldonado, flipped him to the Astros, where he won a World Series, for Tony Kemp. That's a nice little move because the Astros also got rid of Max Stassi. They brought in a pretty significant pitcher who we'll get to, and Martin Maldonado is an elite defensive catcher who's not very good offensively, but they won a World Series with him catching, so it's okay. Uh, Daniel Hudson for Kyle Johnston. That just popped up. Let's see. The next big one. The Nationals acquired two relievers on top of Daniel Hudson. So two additional relievers from the Mariners, Rayonis Elias and Hunter Strickland, and they traded... I'll read you these prospects, but they're not anything. They're not going to do anything. Tyler Gulbo, Gulbul? Elvis Alvarado, and Aaron Fletcher. Indeed. 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 Uh, The A's acquired Tanner Rourke from the Reds. Interesting. We'll see what they can do. Max Stassi, who was the Astros catcher, was traded to the Angels. Um... The Braves picked up Mark Melanson and all of his money, which was kind of interesting, hoping that he has a bounce back for them. Surprise. He won't. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, the Brewers picked up Drew Pomerantz and Ray Black from the Giants for Mauricio Dubon. Um, I guess the Brewers are just praying that Pomerantz is something. Pretty much at this point. Winging a prayer. Exactly. Uh, the Phillies acquired Corey Dickerson, who's a pending unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really nice add because since he's been hurt, they gave up a player to be named later and international bonus pool money. And considering uh, Andrew McCutcheon tore his ACL yeah. a month ago, this is a really nice replacement. Oh, it's a, it's a because good... if he can get healthy, that's a phenomenal add. That's 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 a phenomenal add for a team that's trying to make a wild card. The Phillies are going all out. They, oh, they spent have, all the money on Bryce have, Harper and traded all the prospects, so now they have to go out and spend They more. have to do that. That's what happens when you get a talent like Bryce Harper. You have to go and try and spend. So this is All 13 doing. years of that contract are go-for-it mode. Perfect. <laughs> if you're a um, Phillies fan. The Rays acquired Jesus Aguilar, who mm-hmm. had a great season last year and hasn't been very good this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jake Feria from the Rays, the Padres acquired Carl Edwards Jr., who had a couple of moments with the Cubs where he looked like he was pretty good, but he hasn't been great since. For Brad Weck, Weck, W-I-E-C-K. Weck. The Phillies acquiring another pitcher in Dan Straley from the Orioles for cash. The trash birds are terrible, so they were just giving him away. I just saw the Aaron Sanchez, Joe Biagini, Cal Stevenson, Derek Fisher trade, which is just making my blood boil. Uh, Scooter Jeanette to the Giants for a player to be named later. Scooter they Jeanette. needed a second place, uh, second baseman. I actually thought this is where Eric Sogard was going to end up mm-hmm. and be the Marco Scudero, like the 2010 Marco when they Scudero. won a championship, but he also Mark, came from the Jays. Marco Scudero. But Scooter Jeanette's He's okay. a nice little second baseman. He's fine. And they got him for a player to be named later. It's funny. that they, they, they didn't sell their big assets, but they sold off a couple of guys they didn't need yeah. and replaced and then upgraded. So that's a nice little move. Uh, the D-backs... This sets up a trade that we'll get to. They acquire a starting pitcher in Mike Leake. Now, they acquired Mike Leake um, because his dad 
See, this is actually super cool. And it's cool that they did this. They needed a pitcher because of another trade that we're going to probably end this segment with because it was insanity. But Mike Leake's father uh, is disabled, mm-hmm. and he can't. It's it's hard for he him can't to attend travel. games. It's hard for him to travel to games to exactly. see. Exactly. And with him playing in Seattle, which is it's still on the West Coast, it's, a, it's still a, um, an inconvenience to travel up there. So to be down in Arizona, he's closer to his dad. He's, his dad's able to come and watch him, which I'm sure he'll take great pride in. It's it's a nice it's a nice it's story. a nice feel good it's it's kind of like if you remember when the Cardinals traded Stephen Piscotty mm-hmm. back to Oakland yeah because his mother was dying and he got to spend time with her he got to spend his like her last year playing for mm-hmm. their hometown team yeah. the Oakland A's and that was a nice little move mm-hmm. by two organizations to make that happen yeah. for a player and this is a nice little yeah. move too how can you not be romantic about baseball. That's the thing. Like baseball does how can stuff you, like these. Uh, how can you not be romantic about baseball? That's a question, though. You ask someone like I'm already in love with baseball. Yeah. Like I, I'm how, committed. How can you not love it? It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. Like little little moments like that are super cool. Um, now this was interesting because he was rumored to be going to Angeles, New York Yankees, and another team that didn't do very much in the L.A. Dodgers. Shane Green actually goes to the Braves for Travis Demerit and Joey Wentz. Not elite prospects, but a couple of pretty good ones. Mm-hmm. These aren't the best ones to move because that happened for a starting pitcher. We're going to get to that. But these these were a couple of the higher-named prospects moved. And Shane Green's been lights out this year for the Tigers. They managed to capitalize because they're not going anywhere this year. So they pick up a couple of prospects, and he goes to the Braves. And the Braves desperately needed a closer. They had interesting bullpen arms, but they had no one in the ninth inning to really knock everyone down a peg. And now they can do that, which I really like for this Braves team. Because now you have Luke Jackson more as a setup man. You can use Sean Newcomb, who's been really good in the bullpen. You can use him for multiple innings because he used to be a a starter. He stretched out a little bit. So you can kind of use him as your Andrew Miller. Your, oh God, it's the fourth inning. We have one out and a mess. Let's just bring him in. So I really like that deal for the Braves. Nick Castellanos, who we mentioned, was traded from the Tigers to the Cubs for the Cubs Number 16 and number 23 prospects. Yeah, Nick Castellano is pretty good. Dumb. That's an excellent ad for the Cubs. I guess the Tigers traded him because he was an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, and they knew he wasn't coming back, so they got whatever they could for him, and it just sucks. is what you sucks. do with expiring contracts. It just sucks. Now, on to the big deal. The reason that the Arizona Diamondbacks... Needed another starting pitcher. Maybe why they got Zach Galen, too, because they knew that this guy was going to be gone. The Arizona Diamondbacks trade Zach Greinke and $24 million. Now, Greinke has this year, next year, and one year left, all at $34 million. So it helps a little bit. Do you remember, did I say something about Greinke being traded? When we talked about the NL West... Didn't I, I thought I, I you said did. I think I said something. Well, maybe Granky gets traded because they're just I, trash. I think I said he makes too much money. I think that was actually the reason I didn't think he was going to move. Oh, well, there's a suitor. The Houston Astros putting their big boy pants on, putting their dicks on the table. Okay? And they, That's what trade they did Corbin Martin, who is in their starting rotation this year. He's a rookie who needed Tommy John. He's a really nice piece. And the only reason he's probably in this trade, I've heard multiple evaluators say the only reason that he would be involved in this trade is because the Astros need a guy right now, and they really can't wait for him to not pitch all of next year. But the Diamondbacks can. So they got him. 
They got J.B. Bukaskis, who's a potential starting pitcher. He could be a bullpen arm. Who knows with pitchers? But he's a very highly rated prospect from the Astros organization. They got infielder Josh Rojas, who's okay. And they also got first baseman Seth Beer, who if you go ahead... Now, granted, Seth Beer is a bat without a home. He does not play defense, and he's a first baseman. He is really a DH because he can't even play first base. But his offensive numbers are through the roof. So even though this is an NL team, you go ahead and you take the chance because if he can hit like he's been hitting in double-A and triple-A, uh, Seth Beer's going to be pretty good. Also, Corbin Martin, J.B. Bukaskis, and Seth Beer, those are the number three, four, and five prospects in the Astros system. All three of them are on the top 100 list. Just like to point that out. I know Zach Granke's Zach Granke, and he's not Marcus Stroman. He's better and has a history of being better. Yeah. Yeah, quite the return for a dude who's 36 soon, a couple of months. You know what? I'm just going to pass this one on to Angelo because you know what? We saw the teams that made moves. I'd say that the, I think it's pretty obvious that the, the owner would be, or the winner would be the Houston Astros. By a mile, Steven! But there's a couple of teams that... We talked about this off-air. I don't think we talked about this on, on the podcast last week. But we talked about... We think it's going to be the LA Dodgers, who only acquired Adam Kolarik, who's a lefty... was basically a loogie. And they would have to face... Either the New York Yankees or the Houston Astros. And out of those three teams, one of them slapped their dick on the table and the other two decided not to participate in the trade deadline. I mean, again, Adam Kolarik, but it's Adam Kolarik. I think that the Dodgers should have at least gotten a closer. They didn't. Or just an arm for their bullpen. Exactly. And Adam Collar, yeah, lefty on that. You need a guy because Kenley Jansen's got some issues. There's a guy in San Francisco named Will Smith you could have. There's also a guy who's now in Atlanta who you might have to play to get to. Now, Grant, I think they're better than Atlanta still. But Shane Green going to Atlanta's got to hurt. Now, that aside, though, Angelo. In cash we trust, eh? How do you feel about Brian Cashman to your New York Yankees? Couldn't even finish the question. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Couldn't even finish the question. That was great. Not one trade! No, oh, we don't need a starting pitcher. No, we're going to be fine. Yes, you Everything's going to be perfectly fine with... Who knows what he is? Luis Severino right now. And who knows where his mind's at? J-Hap and Masahiro Tanaka and James Paxton. Oh, and by the way, how could we forget about CC Sabathia? Now, your mind's been okay. But in a big spot, I saw him uh, two weeks ago. You know what happened to him? Lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> okay. You don't get Marcus Stroman. You saw the return on that. You don't get Trevor Bauer. You don't get Zach Granke. 
and you don't get Madison Bumgarner off a team who's 52-50, and 50, who's not going to make the playoffs, not even come close. You have wasted a year, Cashman. You have wasted a year of Aaron Judge. You have wasted a year of Gleyber Torres. You have wasted a year of Luke Foyt, of Giancarlo Stanton, of Aaron Hicks, of Gary Sanchez. Oh, and your bullpen. Which is less repeatable than the superstar offensive players that you mentioned. Bullpens are tricky. Even the giving great bullpen arms could have bad years. Exactly. For once. Look, I love the prospect because we've seen them flourish. They stole Gleber Torres yeah. in a midnight heist from Theo Epstein. Who won a World Series, so I think he's okay with he's it. He's okay with it. He broke a he broke two curses. Okay. He's fine. We won't talk about the first one, but the second one's pretty cool. Okay. You have Aaron Judge. You have Gary Sanchez, who you held on to for a long, long time. And neither of them are making any money yet. Okay. You've I don't know where you found Luke Voigt, but thank you. You stole Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins. You have Luis Severino. You have Tanaka for whatever reason. I don't know where you got. I know where he came from, but you know what I mean. (laughs) You stole Big Maple, who's been more of a sap than an actual (laughs) tree. (laughs) The not-so-Big Maple. And you watch... The only competition you have in the entire AL, because if you're going to tell me Minnesota is your competition, you're lying to me. If you tell me Boston, who's on this miraculous one, who stormed, beat the living piss out of the Yankees three of four in Boston, and it wasn't like oh it was nineteen to eighteen. No, no, no. You got your asses kicked in Boston. Yeah. All right. To a team that's not even going to make the playoffs this year. A team that can't pitch. Like. Like at all. Why? And there's no August deadline where you can go get those big money. Contracts. That's what I mean. It's over now. This is like, is this the horse? You, do you believe that your starting pitching right now is World Series worthy? Because I don't. Nope. I don't believe that for a freaking second. Nope. And if you think that, Cashman, you're lying to yourself. If you're telling yourself that in the mirror, you're lying to yourself. Congratulations. You've played yourself. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> like, you know, Steven is angry for the opposite reason. The opposite reasons because his team. Too many moves that didn't make sense. Yeah. And then my GM of my team here goes and does nothing. Seeing what they did, because, hey, it couldn't have been a surprise that Zach Greinke was going to be moved. You obviously got calls about him. You obviously had conversations about him. And, okay, fine, you had to give up the number, which prospects were they? Three, four, and five. Three, four, and five. It wasn't Debbie Garcia. It probably would have been for them. It might have been. But also, you know who it could have been? An outfielder who's being wasted right now. Yeah. Clint Frazier. And 
Scranton, mm-hmm. doing nothing, playing left field. Further to my theory of he's going to come up, play left field, and John Carlson's going to DH because he's always hurt. Could be. But to squander this, okay? Look, we've seen teams in the bigs with the dangerous rotations and then just falling apart in the playoffs. We saw it kind of with this team last year. When they had Garrett Cole, and they had Justin Verlander, and they had not Zach Greinke, but Dallas Keuchel, mm-hmm. they lost to Boston. Yep. But Boston was an incredible offensive team. And randomly, and, David Price learned how to pitch in the playoffs. Exactly. Which you can't account for. Okay. That. For once. Okay. For once. For even an hour. I wasn't asking a whole day. I was asking for one hour. <laughs> Be like George. Be like George Steinbrenner. Hal's not like his dad. I know he's not. Hal likes to save money. Yeah. Well, guess what? When the fans are coming to the games and they're spending their hard-earned money and you're not giving them a bulb, you're not giving them a rotation worthy of the offense. Because if you line up the Houston the Houston Astros offense and the New York Yankees offense, they're dangerous, they're scary, they can hit the ball far, they can hit it long, and they have no problem beating you any way they want. And they got lots of guys, like both teams actually both have lots of have guys, guys that if guys get hurt, they have plug-and-play. And not like plug-and-play like replacement level, like plug-and-play at like <laughs> much higher than yeah. replacement level. Like the way the Yankees have played today, not like in this season, the way they have rallied, being everybody hurt. I honestly think every player on this team has been hurt. I'm trying to think, actually. Most of them have. Everybody. Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt, Didi Gregorius, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres for a little bit. Yeah. Andohar and Gio Urshala was hurt. Aaron Hicks was hurt. John Carlos Stanton's hurt. Actually, Aaron Judge yeah, started the season yeah, hurt. Literally everyone. Everybody's been hurt. I had to think about that for a second, but you were right. Literally everyone has been. Dylan Batanz is in the bullpen. I think Chapman was injured too. Like everybody. Chapman's been fine all year. He's been fine. I think he got hurt though for. He was hurt because he missed four games. I remember him missing like a stretch. Uh, okay. It was very small though. But everyone's had injuries, and they've rallied around each other as a group. Guys like freaking Talkman and like no name players just coming up. Yeah, Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela and producing. Fucking ex Blue Jay, ex Cleveland Indian. You have all this working for you. Fucking Gio Urshela. And you have the bullpen. The bullpen is there. The bullpen is like, I know in my head, we have the bullpen. Yeah. We have the better bullpen compared to Houston. But they have three front-of-the-line playoff experience starters who are ready to go night in and night ones. out. They have three true number ones. Why not go get Madison? Why not go get a guy who hates to lose? He might not have been for sale, but then again, he could have been because it sounded like he was if you gave them the right offer. Yeah. Make the play. Don't squander seasons like this because that's what they've done. And basically... AL East, AL's wrapped up. Houston, it's gonna be the Astros and the Dodgers again, and the Dodgers are gonna get their butt kicked because of the Dodgers. They don't. They have a manager who overmanages. Yeah. There. I've. I've you don't have to watch anybody. I've, I've figured it out. Okay. In the, in the past, we've seen these big rotations. 
sometimes not get it all together. But this is the Houston Astros. They also have the offense to go with that pitching staff. Unless you manage to get to that bullpen, it's the only way you're going to beat this team. Wasted, Stephen. Wasted, wasted, wasted. Go get a pitcher! Go get Rob Ray! There was actually a rumor that Clint Frazier was involved in some sort of talks for Robbie Ray, but once again, that didn't happen. <laughs> it's the season. All the paper's gone. Torn in half. All of it. We had paper with spelling mistakes on here. I wanted to use it. Not anymore. <laughs> Dumb. Well, because both of us are a little emotional. <sighs> we'll go into the NHL. There's a couple of laughs. Thank God. We need it. I guess we'll get the, the serious stuff out of the way. The Andre Vasilevsky extension because the salary cap does not apply to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andre Vasilevsky signed an eight-year contract extension at an AAV of 9.5. He is now tied with Nikita Kucherov for the highest-paid player on that team. Oh, yeah, by the way, Hedman makes under eight. Stamkos makes 8.5. Because, again, the salary cap doesn't apply to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Also, this doesn't kick in technically until after next season, as Vasilevsky still had one year left on his current deal. So, Catpocalypse doesn't start for Tampa Bay until... The 2020-2021 season. And they'll have some guys off that roster and they'll, soon. They'll, and again, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the salary cap doesn't apply. And, and they'll, they'll probably trade Yanni Gord and get another first-round pick out of the goddamn Vancouver Canucks. Well, you know what's probably going to end up happening, right? Is that come the... Um, what's it called? Expansion draft, excuse me. Expansion draft rolls around. They got capital here. Yeah. Just take this player, please. Take whoever is the overpaid guy that they need to get rid of. Which might be next year. Hang on, I'm pulling up cap friendly because I didn't have it up on my trusty dandy phone. Wi-Fi sucks here in the studio, by the way. (laughs) By the way, Tampa has 11.126 million in cap space. Yeah. It's amazing. That's, yeah. Salary cap does not apply. Uh, Tyler Johnson will be the guy. I was actually just pulling that up and he's exactly who I'm looking at. Yeah. Now, he has a no trade clause. That he'd have to waive, which yeah. also means that he'd have to waive it to be taken in the expansion draft, uh, which means, oh, he played for the Spokane Chiefs in Spokane, Washington. There you go. That'll be interesting. Plus, they have to sign Adam Ernie. Yeah, but he doesn't. he's a fourth liner. I know. He, he doesn't matter. Plus, they already have Tyler Johnson's replacement on the second line. His name is Anthony Sorelli. Yes. So there you go. And, and he'll make like half the money. The, the, the problem here for them is going to be there's a certain player who's going to be a free agent. An RFA probably, I think, next year. His name is Mikhail Sergachev. Yeah, and that's assuming that they can get uh, the current RFA who's unsigned yeah. figured out. Now they have some cap space. They freed up some cap space. But why is that? Like, can I ask why? Why? Oh, we're going to move on to why Ottawa acquired Ryan Callahan. Well, the reason they acquired Ryan Callahan well, is This because is one of the reasons. Th- no, th- no, this is the actual reason they acquired him. It's because they're cheap as fuck. They uh, Condon makes $2.5 million against the cap, but he makes $3 million in actual money. Ryan Callahan makes almost just shy of $6 million. But once he goes on long-term IR, which is covered by insurance, the Ottawa Senators have to pay less than a $1 million, just over $900,000. they are literally doing this to save $2 million, which $2 million to me is a lot of money. 
I would like to save $2 million. I would like to have $2 million. I would love $2 million to save $2 million. Never mind. But, a, but for a hockey team that just barely got over the floor, this is just another reason Eugene Mellick should not be an NHL owner. Sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. And then you sell it to somebody who will move it to Quebec City so that it's over and done with. Ottawa's not a hockey town. I don't care what he says. We agree on this. I know that Stephen, being a passionate Leaf fan that he is, he believes that Ottawa's not a hockey town. It is not. And this owner is cheap. And why isn't Mark Bergevin calling him to take Carl Olsner? That's a great question. Mark! Considering everyone's taking advantage of the Ottawa Senators, how is he not a senator? He's down the street! Plays in Laval. He's plays in Laval. It's easy. Goodbye. See you later. Thanks. He could drive. I'll drive him. <laughs> You'll drive to Montreal, to Laval, to Laval, to pick, pick him, him up, up, and drive him to Ottawa. Mark, if you listen to this podcast, we appreciate you listening. I'll do it for you. No problem. I'll save. You don't even have to pay me. Yeah, the Vasilevsky contract. Expected, yeah. He's, he's he's one of the best goalies in the league. He's getting when, paid and, like it. He got a slight discount because it's Tampa Bay. Because it's Tampa Bay. And, Bobrovsky seven times ten. Like, but it's less because Tampa Bay and the salary cap doesn't. If apply. you're asking me who I trust more in a game seven, I'm trusting. I'm trust. I'm trusting Vasilevsky. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. I don't trust Bob, and because you know, you're not getting a game seven won't pop. Can't nice. argue there. Now onto the funnier parts of this. Remember when Kevin Shattenkirk was a number one defenseman? Oh, yeah, I remember that. They traded the trade deadline for first-round pick, went to Washington. They were world beaters, and they were supposed to win the Stanley Cup that year. They won it after. After he was gone, actually. Uh, yeah. Once they realized that, ooh, this guy is not a number one, he's not a number two, he's a third-pairing guy that's an elite power play dude who still couldn't figure out not to get an OV spot when he played for Washington, which was kind of hilarious. But he's an elite power play guy, but a third-pairing defenseman. But he wanted to go to New York, and the Rangers wanted him. So they signed him to a four-year deal, but he was getting seven and change per. Well, that changed. He got bought out yesterday. Kevin Shattenkirk is now a free agent. Not because they were in cap hell. They did spend a lot of money this year, the Rangers. But they got $6 million in dead cap space next year just to get rid of Kevin Shat- Shattenkirk. Excuse me. What the hell? You know what's funny? Now he's going to sign on with another team and probably play the role he's supposed to play. Third pairing minutes on the right side. And then captain your number one power play. And you know what's hilarious? How much you want to bet someone makes a very... Not as big as a mistake as the New York Rangers did, but after watching him this year, someone makes another mistake with him. Because watch, he's going to sign like a deal. One year, three million bucks is the most, but I don't even, I'm not even sure it's going to get that high. And then probably tear it up on someone's power play in third pairing minutes, and I can't wait to see next year when someone overpays him. You know what that team's going to be, right? Who? It's going to be the New York Islanders. Probably. Because they're going to be desperate. And Probably. they're going to be players. Yeah. And he's going to be the guy. So he's just going to go to the other side of the line. He's just going to go to the other side of New York. It's fine. And then one last uh, NHL thing before we get to our NF, well, NFL AFC East preview.
What the hell happened, Minnesota? Dude, it's a it's a dumpster fire. Less than eighteen months after taking the job, Paul Fenton is fired. And if you didn't hear what the owner said about him on the way out, well, I'll just tell you, and you'll understand why I don't think Paul Fenton will ever be a general manager ever again. No, he'll never be one. The owner of the Minnesota Wild used to own the Nashville Predators, where Paul Fenton was an assistant general manager for almost a decade under David Poyle. One of the best scouts there is. This is the guy that drafted Roman Yossi, that found Matias Ekholm. All of these guys that they find, Victor Arvidsson, all of these guys are basically Paul Paul Fenton draft picks. And the owner basically said that while he's a great scout, I misjudged his ability to run an organization. He did not get along well with others. He tried to fire Bruce Boudreaux four separate times, and four separate times the owner got involved. The stories about what's happened between him and other people that worked in the franchise are bad. What in the... How does something go that sideways? What I want to know is, you let him not only draft for you, then you let him make free agent moves for you. and <laughs> Matt Zuccarello. And about a month after that, you fire him. When the roster's basically when set. When the roster's basically set. And, and this was a and, team and, that was almost set anyways because of how much money they're paying guys that are 32 and over. Yeah. Like this is like you need to you you need to this this was a team that shouldn't have been signing guys. Matt Zuccarello should not be in a Minnesota Wild. Matt Zuccarello should either be I don't know. He should still be in Dallas. He should be in Dallas. Teams like, that are going for it. Teams that are trying to win. And not you end ones up that should be dismantling. Like you should be dismantling. You obviously know that Devin Dubnik, serviceable NHL goalie, never going to win with him. And you're basically in purgatory now because now you're screwed because now you're. You're half decent enough to be competitive, but you're not good enough to probably make the playoffs. And if you do, you're going to get bounced in the first round because you don't have the talent. This looks so much like the Leafs under Pack win. Yeah. That would just go sign old guys. That was before a salary cap, though. Just sign all these old guys to Matt. Like they would just throw money at problems yeah. and, and and veterans, and they they'd make the playoffs. And get killed in the first round. Well, unless they, they were playing they, Ottawa. Hey, they used to hey, they used to make it to the second and the third round sometimes. There were times. Those were the competitive Leaf teams. Not the oldest. Not the oldest. Those like, when they were actually good under yeah, Pat Quinn. Yeah. No, because there's been a this lot is, of... This is like the tail end of Pat. Yeah. Like real tail end. Yeah. Like well, it was, the, He was still winning and they brought in John Ferguson Jr. who he did so many phenomenal things. So happy the Boston Bruins didn't win and I didn't have to see him hug Tuka Rask with the cup. <laughs> so happy. He's the reason Tuka Rask is in Boston, if you don't know that. <laughs> Anyways, this is a team that should be dismantling because they are in true purgatory. And they're not. Nope. They're just going to spend money. Yep. For what? You don't have to worry about a fan base saying, no, we don't care anymore. Because in case you haven't been paying attention, Minnesota is like the hockey hotbed of the United States. Well, they've had issues with attendance before when they were bad. When they were bad. But, but I think that's what they're afraid of. Which you kind of can't, but we've you seen, can't live in that world. Here's the thing: we've seen teams do a quick reset. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm witnessing with my eyes with the Montreal Canadiens. You have witnessed it with your eyes with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They didn't have as many of those. Like actually, the Leafs had worse con- when you look at Clarkson and Fano- actually the Leafs suffered yeah, there's no through. Excuse. There's, like, there's no excuse. But the, the, it was like okay for the what like the Leafs still fit f- for the couple of years when they did tear it down. They just said fuck it, yeah, tore it right down. They had the one really terrible. Well, a year and a half because there was the Peter Horacek year. Yeah, <laughs> like, Mitch but, Barner but they did like we've seen it in the NHL where you can turn this all around. You can do it. Yeah, like, it can be done. You can find the team. To take Ryan Suter right now, because if Milan Lucic can't traded, anybody can get traded. That's a good point. Okay, there's no longer if Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky can get traded. You can be traded. No, 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 no. Yeah. If Milan Lucic and his awful contract could be traded, you can be traded. Facts. We can believe in you too. If David Clarkson beca- can <laughs> can become the Leafs, Leafs for whatever reason, anything is possible. Like that's that that's what Minnesota needs to be looking at. Like the the if now especially like they're gonna bring a guy in. So he's gonna. It's what a year of. He's stuck eh? with everything Fenton did. Yeah. So I'm stuck with this. So you, you just push this. You you're gonna go. This is what's year. gonna end up happening. You're gonna go a year with Zuccarello. You're gonna trade him if you can. If you can. If he's not complete and under courage. Okay. You have to move. Like you have Ryan Suter, Zach Parise. I don't even know if you can move those contracts like, there because there's 13 year deals. They got seven years left. I think seven full years left on them. They're screwed. They're legit screwed. They're this so screwed. Like, this is just, and it makes no sense. None of this makes sense in Minnesota, and they're going to be the worst team in the NHL next year, probably. No, sorry, they can't be because they have too much. So they'll be like the second worst team in the NHL. No, they'll still be better than that because they have too many veterans. They're not even going to pick top ten, but they're not even going to be close to a playoff spot. They better. They're gonna you try, know what I mean? They they're better be hope the they win the lottery spot. They need to pull to Chicago <laughs> desperately. But. I guess we'll move on to the NFL, and just before we get to our AFC East preview, there was a rather large extension that happened. Oh, yeah. So my boys, the Falcons, a couple weeks ago, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett, they got extended. Grady Jarrett probably got too much money. Deion Jones deserved it. Michael Thomas, though, I hate the New Orleans Saints. Hate them. I have to acknowledge that Michael Thomas is a stud. Not as good as Julio Jones, but he's good. And he deserves this contract, especially when you look at the fact that he leads all receivers in history in receptions in his first three seasons in the NFL. He had 125 catches last year. He also has the highest catch percentage in the history of the NFL. He catches no, nearly 90% of the passes thrown to him. Now, granted, it helps when they're thrown by Drew Brees and they're pretty accurate, but that's still an insane amount. Like, that number is ridiculous. He deserves the money. He's also super young, so he's getting paid when he should get paid. Michael Thomas, I believe, is 24 years old. So to sign a five-year extension like this, he's not even going to be 30 when it expires. Great bit of business for both the player and the team. Again, I absolutely hate the Saints, but I have to admit that this was He's instrumental, and he has to be instrumental in there trying to get to the Super Bowl because, you know. That's what it is. They gotta try. You try. I'm not quite gonna get there, but they gotta try. No, fall short. Now, our division preview continues. Where are we stopping today, buddy? AFC East. Now, oh. this will probably be a pretty quick one. Me and Ange already talked about this. 
I think we have the teams. They shouldn't rename this division. You know how they used to have, like, in the NHL, they used to have, like, the Whales. And oh, yeah. The Norris. The Norris. They used to have division names. They should just rename this name, this division, either the Brady or the Belichick division. Because are they still in it? Pretty sure they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I know who our number one seed is in this division. It's going to be the New England Patriots. Despite some change, losing Gronk, losing Flowers, they're still the Patriots. They still have a coach who's playing chess while everyone's still trying to figure out where the checkers board is. That's how good he is. He's hid the checkers board. And he says, we're playing checkers, but he's got the chess pieces out, and he's already he's already stolen your queen, your king, and everything else. And he, you haven't stolen nothing. Now, the Patriots are now a year older, and this has a feel of a dynasty that slowly came to an end as well in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Because, look, let's be honest, San Antonio is still a competitive team because they have Greg Popovich. And one, of the one of the greatest coaches in, in, of all time in sports history. It's, it's like yeah, like the man you're comparing him to, like the man I'm about to like to Bell Belichick. And when they won that last title, it was it. They had nothing left to give. They're still a playoff team. They're still gonna win the division because they're the Patriots, and they play in the division with still, still. I don't know how he made his way back into it. <laughs> But Ryan Fitzpatrick has found himself back in the AFC. Loves his division. Loves his division. All he's at the end of his career, you know who he's going to play for? The New England Patriots. Probably. Complete the Watch fight. him be the Tom Brady heir apparent and win a Super Bowl. Watch Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll give up. I give up if that happens. <laughs> but with the division of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And maybe Josh Rosen. Maybe Josh Rosen. Allegedly. We'll see. Um, Josh Allen, who. Looked good near the end of the season. Yep. And who they've actually put better better pieces like, around. Weapons that fit his play style. Yeah. And Sam Darnold. Samuel Richard Darnold. Your boy. The kid. The red the real red rifle. Is he even redheaded? I think so. Kind of blonde. It's reddish. Andy Dalton's real red, though. Andy Dalton's a real redhead. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's a, a red real. He's a, okay. He's maybe the off-red <laughs> rifle. Whatever. <laughs> the strawberry blonde. Strawberry blonde. There you go. I think that's he's more strawberry blonde. But Tom Brady's still the best quarterback in this division. Yes. Bill Belichick's still the best head coach because now an heir apparent of his. Uh, what the hell's his name now? I forget the coach who's the guy who went down to Miami, who was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator this year. Oh, uh, Flores. Flores. Ryan Flores? Ryan Flores. Ryan Flores. Yeah. Down in Miami. Now, Miami's taking the approach of, we know we're going to suck. Yeah. We've accepted it, and we're just going to tank. It's what it looks like. They might win one to two games this year, have a high pick, and the, I, I'm guessing their game plan is we can we can let Ryan Fitzpatrick do the Ryan Fitzpatrick things. He can teach Josh Rosen the proper way. And then when he burns out by week six or seven. We can stick him in. We see what we really have. And then we can go from there at the draft because. Do you need a quarterback? Do, do you not need a quarterback? Can we address other issues? Are, Are you drafting go- high enough to get Tua? Exactly. Right? Like there's, there's, there's different things that could happen. Yeah. So that's what the Miami Dolphins outlook this year. If you're a Dolphins fan, look forward to two years from now. 
Don't think this team is a rebuilding team. It's it's a rebuilding project. You've had Ryan Tan. You've you've been stuck in legit bad. Still purgatory. evaluating. Still evaluating purgatory. You needed a change. You have tried to do the change correctly by bringing in someone who has hopefully learned under. He doesn't fall under the Bill Belichick curse of not having success after leaving Belichick. You hope you would hope that if you're a Dolphins fan, but we'll see. But they're they're going to be a bad team. They are two top, maybe, uh, tops, tops four win team this year, tops. And I'm just being yeah. it's being very generous. I think you're I think you're right. So I think we can agree. Pat's number one. Pat's and number I think one. Based on this conversation, Dolphins are dead last. Dolphins they're are dead four. last. So now is the interesting question of who sits second and third. And we agreed on this, although. I started making a case for the team I have in third to be in second. But it kind of depends on their coach. And we'll just get right to it. I think the Jets will be third. and We think the Jets will be third. Mm-hmm. And we think the Bills will be second. Now, I started making a case. You know, Adam Gase is really good with quarterbacks. He is a good offensive coordinator. I know he's the head coach. But he is really good at, at scheming an offense. And you know what? You put him and Sam Darnold together, and you might get something here. And Le'Veon Bell's an interesting ad. He missed an entire season, but you know the talent that you saw with Pittsburgh could still be in there. We've never really seen it. We've seen guys miss seasons before, but those are usually injury-related. We've, we've, we haven't seen a guy just take a year off. No, we've never seen someone. But the talent could still like I, I can still talk myself into how this could be interesting. The difference is I look at the Bills, and I look at, Maybe one of the top 10 defenses in all of football. Like, you you look at a defense that's good enough to maybe win games for you, and then you look at the fact that they address their offensive line. We'll see if they did it well or not, but they did address their offensive line. They went out and got guys like John Brown. Is he a star? Is he a number one receiver? No. Will it be, will it be used in, those, in a lot of, you know, motions and a lot of jet sweeps and stuff like that? Yes. And is this a guy that even Josh Allen and his massive arm can't overthrow? Yeah, pretty much. John Brown's got some damn speed. Mm-hmm. And you saw what he did with a not a very good Ravens offense. Joe Flacco loved to chuck him the ball. And he even caught passes from Lamar Jackson, who didn't throw very often, but he threw to John Brown. I can see him fitting in very well with the Bills. And again, I don't think he's going to be a number one. But you know, in fantasy, if you wanted to take him in the late rounds, I think that'd be a smart play. It's a nice little steal. Now, a little flex. LaShawn McCoy might be done. I believe he's 31 years old. And we know what happens to running backs at that point. <laughs> they've drafted kids. They've signed. They, they have some, some guys. We'll see what happens there. Because that's really the biggest question for the Bills. Because if they can have a half-decent running game and Josh Allen takes any sort of step with that defense... Don't forget they added Ed Oliver. That's and exactly you got another guy in the draft. You lose Kyle Williams. That's huge. He's your emotional leader. But Ed Oliver is getting compared to Aaron Donald. That is one hell of a comparison. I don't know if you, if anyone, if if, uh, if you're listening to this, if you follow the NFL on Instagram, but they've been counting down the top hundred players. You know who number one was? Aaron fucking Donald. If Ed Oliver is, what, 70% of that, that's going to be really good. Yeah. 
and you've added that to a defense who last year their first-round pick was Tremaine Edwins. Phenomenal. The year before, Tredavious White. And if they're anywhere near as... If Ed Oliver is anywhere near as impactful as those two guys were as rookies, my God, this defense. And they find guys like Sonny Milano, who's an undrafted free agent, is one of their best linebackers. They just find guys. Jordan Poyer. Oh, what's the other safety? The one that, uh, Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde that they stole. These guys are phenomenal. Like, when you start to, like, seriously, start going down the names on this Bills defense. It's a top 10 legit defense. They're scary. And you play in an off, and you play in a division that, yeah, they have the Patriots, but you're also playing against the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. Okay, you'll maybe split with the Jets. Right? Like, I, I feel like they're set up in a way where this is why I can see them finishing second. And the reason I see the Jets finishing third, I don't know what Adam Gase really is as a head coach. I know he's great with mm-hmm. offenses, but his teams that he's been the head coach of aren't very good. I know that that defense was pretty good last year, and they added Tremaine Johnson, and they added C.J. Mosley. Todd Bowles was a pretty good defensive coach. He might not have been a good head coach, but he's pretty damn good with the defense. I'm going to make a bold prediction, though, for this division. This division, like the AFC North, will have two representatives. One of those teams will be the Buffalo Bills. With this defense... And if this offense takes the big step that I'm thinking it's going to, buddy, this is their schedule to start the year. They play the Jets. They play the Giants. Ironically, both at both teams. Before they come home to play the Bungles. I'm actually going to that game. My buddy's got an Andy Dalton Bills jersey ready to go. My God. Uh, I want to ask. I'm actually going to be at at least two, maybe three Bills games this year. Uh Week four against the Pats be a tough game, but you don't know if they're three and zero at that point. Uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium, New Era Field, whatever they calling it's gonna it, gonna go nuts. It's gonna be insane. They play the Titans. It's who, New Era Field, but they, when I was there last year, <laughs> everyone still called it the Ralph. So they play the Titans. They can beat the Titans, especially if that defense starts to at that point because you're at week five. You've started to mold your defense into what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Week six by they play the Finns. The Eagles will be a tough test. The Redskins, we don't know what the hell's wrong with them or what's happening with them. They play the Browns. Who knows? They play the Finns again. They play the Broncos, who don't have a quarterback or an owner or a GM <laughs> or really anything. Um, the Cowgirls. I'm actually going to that game. The Ra- in Dallas. The Ravens. Thanksgiving Day. The Steelers. That'll be a fun game. The Patriots. And then they end the season with the Jets. Do they play in Pittsburgh or do they play in Buffalo? They play in Pittsburgh. I was going to say, if they're playing in Buffalo, oh, you should have come to that game. I'd get the boys together. I might be going to Pittsburgh to watch that game. Nice. It's, uh, but I might save it for the following week because I know this. No, no, never mind. Ah, whatever. We'll figure it out. But this this Bills team has the, the potential to be the team to make the playoffs. And I think and I believe that they're going to. I think that this team is, is solid enough on the, the defensive side of the ball that they can win games alone with them. And that the offense will string enough together and we'll see a next big step for Mr. Josh Allen. And the fact that he's not afraid to run was massive for their offense last year. No, I'm not going to compare him. Because also he didn't play in, in year one. We saw another big arm quarterback take a big step in year two. Yeah, yeah. but win league MVP. 
happen yeah. to play in a place that's pretty cold. Now, granted, he also had a lot better offensive weapons around him. Yes. And a head coach who, like, we have we, we make fun of Andy Reid a lot, but he's an excellent offensive game caller. Yes. Until it gets to the two-minute warning, and then he just forgets Until it gets to the two-minute minute <laughs> he warning. He just loses his mind. Or after December 25th. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> The Jets are the Jets are an interesting team. That's the thing. Like uh, when we were talking about that, like I was, I t- almost talked myself into thinking that maybe they're the number two team. If Darnold takes the step because he's the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to be, you know what I mean? Like the defense and the additions, and and then it's just like I don't know though. I just don't. I don't know what Sean like. I don't know what Adam Gase is as a head coach. Easy as you. We talked about this off the air. You said it best. He's North Turner. Yeah. Great offensive coordinator. Will always be a great offensive coordinator. But as a head coach, just not cutting it. That's why I have the Bills second. It's because I just don't trust Adam Gase. I trust Sean McDermott. Which probably is one of Probably one of the most underrated coaches in the league. But now, yeah. granted, this is also a man that went to Nathan Peterman. Twice. I, th- I don't think he had a choice. Twice. Hey, you don't talk bad. About Nathan J. Peterman, because when we get to that AFC West, well, yeah, we, apparently he's catching on he's, with a certain coach that we make fun of a lot. Yeah. I think I think we're right. Can't wait to see the temper tantrums I think on we're the right. I can't wait to see the temper tantrums on the sideline between him and Mister Big Chest. Between him and Mister Big Chest this season, when the Oakland Raiders are doing nothing. But that's for another show. It's about two weeks, three weeks. Who knows how far away? <laughs> we'll figure it out. This has been the Last Word Podcast. I'm Steve Artabella. I'm Angela Leppa. And until next time, see ya. You're killing me, Cashman. Slide on a nigga with the fofo. Slide, slide, slide. I put you on a chokehold. I pull that track off a show. I like it when you touch the flow. Call me for dick, not Geico. Call my phone when you're horny. Hey, mama, see the hey, mama, see the hey. Drip too hard, don't shine on this way. She told me to handcuff her, give her no escape.